Living with Diabetes, a podcast from Diabetes Victoria with Jack Fitzpatrick. Hello, one and all. Thanks for tuning in to the official Diabetes Victoria podcast. This is a great forum for those of us impacted by diabetes, whether it be directly or indirectly, to discuss ideas, share stories and build our diabetes community. I'm Jack Fitzpatrick, ex-Melbourne and Hawthorne AFL player and current Diabetes Victoria ambassador. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the Kulin Nations where we are speaking from today, as well as all the lands across Australia, and pay my respects to all elders past and present and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening in. We have a very special podcast for Women's Health Week. I've got two brilliant women on the line and I'm ready to have a great chat with them. Uh, I've got Dr. Sarah Price, so I will let her explain all her accomplishments in a second because that would be a podcast in itself. But Dr. Sarah Price is an adult endocrinologist and has been the president of the Australian Diabetes in Pregnancy Society. As I said, I'll let Sarah further introduce herself shortly because there is a hell of a lot that she has done. And I'm also joined by Liz Simmons. And Liz was diagnosed with GDM, which uh, you got might know as gestational diabetes, when pregnant in 2019. She completed the LIFE program in the same year. Liz works at Graham Seeds as an agronomist. Now, Liz, correct me if I'm wrong, that has something to do with plants. It does indeed. I am a part of growing many crops and pastures to feed um, dairy, beef and lamb across the Gippsland area. Oh, I'll have to thank you from now on every time I, I sit down to dinner. Um, very, very important. I'll come back to you. Come back to you shortly, Liz. I'll get back to you. Uh, get to you first, uh, Sarah, if that's okay. I gave sure. a very brief rundown of um, your background. Uh, tell us a bit about you and uh, all your accomplishments and what exactly it is that you do. Oh, well, thank you very much for that very generous introduction. Um, so I have the privilege of being a um, adult endocrinologist and I guess over time um, my career has steered towards the the pregnancy realm. Um, so I currently work as an endocrinologist um, and diabetes physician at the Royal Women's Hospital, the Royal Melbourne and Mercy Hospital for Women. But in a week's time, I am starting a new role as the directorate medicine at the Royal Women's Hospital. So that will be the the first of that type of position in Victoria. So it's very exciting and it allows me to pursue my passion, which is um, improving the, the health of women during pregnancy. That uh, is a lot of important work, no doubt about that. And congratulations on the role. And, and one of those women that I guess uh, is impacted by this and you would almost be working with directly is Liz. Now, Liz, I, I did say that you work uh, as an agronomist, but your background, obviously, you developed GDM while pregnant. Yeah, I did for, with my first pregnancy um, with my daughter. So t- tell us a little yes. bit about that. I mean, your, your pregnancy journey and, and the GDM itself. Well, when I started, I had no idea what it was and I was cruising through pregnancy. There was no real signs of anything. And then I went and had my glucose tolerance test, which came back and I was quite surprised to find out um, that it came back as GDM because I'm on a farm and I work pretty actively. Um, I'm out all the time doing, you know, soil tests and that sort of thing. So when it came back, I was a bit, I, I was very, very unsure about what I needed to do. Um, and I was a little bit worried as the effect it may have on my daughter. Well, I know she's my daughter now. At the time, I was pretty concerned about what would, what would come of that as, 
particularly toward the end of the pregnancy and with the health of my placenta and that sort of thing as well. I'll, I'll come back to that shortly and, and probably get into the details a little bit more. T- around the specifics of diabetes and GDM and, and things like that, I'll come to you, Sarah, obviously from mm-hmm. the, the scientific explanation, um, the different types of diabetes and specifically GDM, if you could please elaborate a little bit. So I, I guess there's three main types of diabetes. Um, so type 1 diabetes is a is an autoimmune diabetes that um, presents um, can present in pregnancy but often outside, um, often in younger people. Type 2 diabetes, which um, can happen in any age group um, and outside pregnancy, And then gestational diabetes, which is really specific to pregnancy. And gestational diabetes is really when when you're pregnant and the placenta starts making um, hormones and growth factors that make your own insulin not work very well. So for many women, um, we produce more insulin and maintain normal glucose levels. And so um, we would we would be said to have normal glucose control. But in some women, and particularly women with predisposition or a family history of diabetes, when pregnant and particularly um, after sort of 28 weeks of pregnancy, those hormones being produced by the placenta mean that we can't make enough enough insulin or the insulin doesn't work effectively and so we get high blood sugar levels. And so when you trot off and do that glucose tolerance test, as Liz has done at 26 weeks, the glucose levels in the test are high and because we know glucose passes from the maternal bloodstream um, to the baby, it can affect growth of baby, etc. And so that's why we're trying we're we're keen to try and um, treat and to get normal glucose levels in pregnancy. Indeed. Uh, about GDM, um, and I'm I'm intrigued to talk to Liz shortly about her understanding of it before she got diagnosed and, and how it sort of impacted her life. Mm-hmm. But in terms of GDM, is anyone specifically more prone to it than than other people? Or is it, for want of a better phrase, unlucky? Or how exactly yeah. does it come about? Yeah, look, that's a great question. Because I think when women are uh, diagnosed with GDM, it sort of comes with a stigma that you've done something done something wrong to deserve it, and that's certainly not the case. Uh, I, I think more and more we're we're realizing that it has genetic background. So certainly, women that are um, have a family history of type two diabetes um, would be would be at risk. Um, women who have had gestational diabetes in pre- previous pregnancies are definitely at higher risk. And then there's other risks um, related to weight, certain ethnic groups and um, mums that are having having babies at, at, a, at an older age group. But more and more, I think we need to sort of try and remove that stigma that it's something you've done and more look at sort of that as um, in terms of genetic risk and family history of diabetes. Interesting you use the word stigma. We've done a a bit about that whole concept on the Diabetes Vic podcast previously. Um, I know that when I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, it was two weeks before I turned 21 and I had all the um, I suppose, stereotypes in my head that diabetes was for people who you might be a little bit older, you might not look after yourself well, you might eat a lot of sugar, all of the stereotypes and stigma, I guess, that Sarah just spoke about. And it was surprised me when I got diagnosed. I, I couldn't believe it. I was playing AFL mm-hmm. at the time. I was young. I was fit. I was healthy. I was all those kinds of things. Did you know much or anything about gestational diabetes before you got diagnosed, Liz? 
No, I didn't. I The only thing that I'd known was that my sister had previously had it with her pregnancy and she felt that it was unfair because she didn't fit into any of the boxes that she thought she should. Subsequently, yep. since we've had our kids, we've got a bit more information um, about the background and that sort of thing. And mum, she thinks she may have had it, but there wasn't nation around it as, as such. So she wasn't, she couldn't confirm nor deny which way it had been. Yeah, yes. but in terms of knowledge about it beforehand, I didn't have any. So then you get diagnosed with it, um, and obviously, I'm I'm sure it comes as a shock. Uh, how did it impact you? But in in two ways. Firstly, in terms of how you had to deal with the pregnancy, in terms of the real life impacts of it, but also mentally, how did it impact you? Um, yeah, we, we've spoken before um, on on different topics of diabetes. Anything from from feeling guilty or feeling ashamed or being upset, or any of those kinds of things. Did, did you experience any of those feelings? Initially, I felt really disappointed and like I'd let my baby down and that I'd done something that had caused it. I hadn't been healthy enough, hadn't taken my prenatals religiously enough or something along those lines. But I was lucky that that I had support with my midwives, uh, which helped me to work through it. And then managing it on a daily, it it just became part of the routine of what I needed to do. And I think having that big goal of getting to the end of pregnancy with a baby that was healthy, it made me implement it. And I didn't find it that hard to actually implement. So I could could do what I needed to do on a daily basis without having too much of an impact. And it made me actually look after myself a lot better. If you don't mind me asking, how old were you at the time? Uh, 20, I think. Sorry, what was yeah, that? I, I just missed that. Sorry, 28. Okay, yep. So in terms yeah. of you, you said you didn't know a lot about GDM in general. Had you had much experience with the other forms of diabetes, you know, the, the main two that Sarah touched on earlier, type 1 and type 2? Yes, yeah. So a little bit with friends that had had type 2 uh, and also on my husband's side of the family, they had a history of like diabetes as well. But other than that, not really. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to come back to you now, Sarah. I- I've got a couple of, of questions that being a, you know, having type one diabetes, I obviously understand that a lot and speak a lot with people who have type one and we share, you know, stories and experiences mm. and those kinds of things. And, and you're certainly through people, you know, who have it, um, certainly talking through this podcast and certainly, you know, through the media, you know, a fair bit about type two. Gestational diabetes isn't something I know a lot about. Um, recently, I was coaching uh, the Western Bulldogs AFLW team and sort about women then, and, and this is certainly something else about women. I barely know anything about. Um, can you get it if you've if you've already got type one diabetes? Is it separate or, or is it? Or can you not double up or type two? I should say. Uh, that's a great. That's a great question that I've never no. So so basically, um, gestational diabetes means that you have high blood sugars. So in type one, you have variable blood sugars anyway. So um, if you've already got type one diabetes, we wouldn't we wouldn't test you for it. Um, but basically, the word diabetes high blood sugars in um, in pregnancy. So gestational diabetes generally will go away after. So obviously, if you've got type 1, it's not going to go away after. So you can't sort of double up. If you've got type 1, then you've got type 1. Yeah, okay. So you can't double up. And what about once you've got gestational? Does this mean that, um, you know, this is part of my ignorance, but does this now mean post-pregnancy you will have diabetes for life or, or are you more prone to it or how does that work? 
Yeah. So that, that's a really good question. So for the vast majority of women, you know, 98, 99% of women, they'll have their gestational diabetes and once baby is born, basically as soon as the placenta is delivered, the, the, the glucose tolerance goes back to normal. Um, there are a small number of women, one or 2% of women that have gestational diabetes that continue to have um, abnormal glucose levels. And, and often that's because, you know, prior to pregnancy, they may have had abnormal glucose levels and not been aware of it. So it's sort of been picked up. They've had gestational diabetes. And then after pregnancy, most all, all women who have gestational diabetes should do a glucose tolerance test. And it would pin that test. Um, but for the, you know, 98, 99% of women, they go back to normal glucose levels. But I guess one of the things about gestational diabetes is it does tell us something about long-term risk of type 2 diabetes. So if you were to look over the long term, about 50% of women at some point in their lives that have had gestational diabetes will go on to type 2 diabetes. So that might be when they're, you know, 80-year-old women or when they're Seven and that that's not set in stone. So I guess having that information that you've you've had gestational diabetes can be really powerful in terms of knowing your family risk, and then you can do a whole lot of lifestyle things to modify it. So both for for mum, so to have healthier lifestyle for yourself, but also because um, of this increasing recognition about genetic risk. So you want your children to be able to avoid these things. And we know children are sort of plastic in, in the first couple of years of life. So we want to do everything we can to avoid those, um, those risks. So, so that, you know, it's a piece of information and you can look at it as Liz has in a really positive way saying, I've learned some of my family risk and now I'm going to modify it. Indeed. I want to come back to Liz in a sec on that note that you just spoke about, but you, you said that it can almost incredibly high percentage that you just mentioned. Those changes in lifestyle or, or potentially ways to mitigate that risk, what sort of things are we, are we talking about? Yeah, look, it, it, it's um, it's that basic lifestyle, eating well, being physically active. It doesn't mean you need to to um, be perfect all of the time. That is not practical, but mm -hmm. it's about being, um, being, remaining physically active and it can just be, you know, walk with the kids. It's about making sure um, when you have food choices, the majority of times you, you eat well with, um, for, for women that have had babies that can breastfeed, we'd really encourage them to breastfeed and just be mindful. It doesn't, it, it's certainly not about perfection, but about understanding, you know, family risk. It's great to hear. It's great to hear a doctor talk about uh, not being perfect. It's one frustration that that I certainly get living with diabetes. Yes. One of my best friends yes. is actually uh, an epidemiologist, and, and you know, obviously he's a doctor and those kinds of things. And he tells me about all these things that on paper I should be doing and shouldn't be doing. And yes. I, I too try and tell him that it's a lot easier to read it in a book and to live yes. with it. That's yes, that's yes. for sure. Well, I guess the other side of it is having three children of my of my own. I think we just aim for the best that we can do. And and, you know, as, as you know, when people have babies, they really do go out to do the best possible that they can do. So this is a piece of information. You do the best possible. And if you stuff it up one day, you just get back up and the next day you start again. We are human beings. We're never perfect. That's for sure. Liz, I, I want to talk to you about, you said that uh, being diagnosed or finding out that you've got GDM actually made you, I think the word you use, take better care of yourself or something along those lines. 
what sort of changes did did you implement? Um, I suppose during the pregnant app, but then also afterwards. So during pregnancy, and it followed on. I actually sought help from a dietitian, which I was who I saw throughout my whole pregnancy, and I really structured my eating around having three solid meals and two snacks a day. So as I was never going for those long periods where my body was going into stress, whereas previously I'd sort of get up, have breakfast, go, 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 and then, oops, it's dinner time. Like, yeah. And I wasn't really looking after myself well. So really trying to structure it and base it around the whole day so as I had more sustained energy, which helped me focus more and feel better about what I was doing while I was pregnant with Mackenzie uh, and it made me feel like I was actually actively trying to do the very, very best I could because those were the controllables. I couldn't control the fact that I had GDM, but I mm-hmm. could control how I dealt with it and how I reacted to it. So that made it much easier to deal with. And Enigma that we spoke about before, I felt that pulled away from it because I was doing the very best that I could. You were con- controlling the controllables. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And once I'd had my daughter, once I had Mackenzie, I tried to implement it as much as possible and I did. I was lucky enough to be able to feed her for that 12-month period afterwards um, and then incorporate the things that I'd learnt with the dietitian once I was introducing foods with her, which really helped me focus on that because it's helping her build those the building blocks for her life, really. And you spoke about that sort of, you know, the, the change to making sure you have those three good meals, et cetera. Would you say that previous to your diagnosis, you had a, a good understanding around food and the importance of food and diet or, or was it something that, um, you know, you, you took a lot from once you started speaking to the dietitian? Yeah, well, I thought I had a really good understanding, but yeah. I didn't. <laughs> so once I've spoken to the dietitian, there was a few things and I still look back on my initial appointment and go, I can't believe I said that out loud. for things that I believed Um, and it's been very like from there it's been much easier to implement and I feel like we've got a lot more energy as a family because we're actually eating properly. That's that's fantastic and the life program um, Liz. Yeah yeah. so I took part in that uh, when I, I think it was before I had my son and I found it really good as a place to come back and regroup and and really refocus. Yeah, and, and tell us about the program, what you, what you got out of it and, and how you enjoyed it and, and those kinds of things. Well, I had Helen, uh, my health coach, and she would ring me for check-ins, which was fantastic because it was a way of keeping me accountable. So I had tasks set for me that I needed to complete, which given a deadline, it made me actually a bit smarter about how I was going around things rather than putting my own health to the back burner while I was caring for the kids and that sort of thing, it became pretty again, which we had a lot going mm-hmm. on at the time. So it was really good to be able to refocus. And she gave me tools to be able to deal with not just things around my eating, but also uh, the mental health side of it with different tools to deal with challenges that were arising in, the, in our life at that time. Is it something you would recommend for other people, the life program? Yeah, my sister and I actually both did it and I would definitely recommend it to anyone for good information that's coming from a source that there's no judgment. It's just about helping and improving. Absolutely. That sounds fantastic. Uh, but you said you've, you know, you've, you've got your son as well. Uh, part of my ignorance, did you get gestational diabetes as well with, with your son or, or did it only impact you once? Uh, no. So I didn't actually get gestational with my son, which isn't something that's very common. Usually subsequent, 
subsequent pregnancies, it's more likely. But I think because I'd looked after myself a lot better after my first pregnancy, I was in a better spot going forward. And that was just how I felt about it. It may not scientifically be the case, but yeah, I was lucky enough not to get it the second time. Yeah, well, I, that was going to be my question. Now, to Sarah, how, how common is that, that if, if you get it the first time around or subsequent pregnancies, you, you end up with GDM versus, I suppose, being fortunate enough to avoid it? Yeah, so, yeah, Liz is entirely right that you if you have it the first time, you sort of would anticipate that you would get gestational diabetes beacon time. That being said, um, Liz has talked beautifully about how, you know, she's modified diet and modified lifestyle. And one of the, one of the treatment modalities for gestational diabetes is lifestyle modification. So it sounds like she's sort of implemented that before the test and, and that may, that may have been the treatment. So either way, um, the, at the end point, we want, you know, maintained normal glucose levels in pregnancy and healthy outcomes come and if that's what she's got good on her it sounds like she's uh, doing a, a fabulous job i have to say sounds like she's absolutely nailing it for sounds sure sounds like she's... a legend i know this 100 percent, 100 uh she spoke about the life program what about other forms of help and support sarah what what is out there yeah. for, for women with gdm look there is fantastic resources so life program being one of them diabetes victoria has got um diabetes australia has got amazing um resources i work at the women's hospital there's amazing online resources the um, ADIPS, the Australian Diabetes in Pregnancy Society, has got great resources. Um, I think I think um, it, it is useful to talk to friends and family, etc., about their own experiences. But you really got to be careful that the um, the information is is accurate and is tailored to the individual. So I do think it's good to talk to other people about their experiences of what it was like having gestational diabetes, but um, not to take it away and um, do same thing by the letter. Um, you know, talk to your health professionals. And Liz brought up a really good point about the dietitians. I think we all think we know it all and we don't. And so it, just to have an open mind, if you do get diagnosed with gestational diabetes, just have an open mind about speaking to the dietitians and speaking to your diabetes doctor um, and midwives, etc., about um, about gestational diabetes management. So to have a really open mind and it, when you're with your health professionals to get information from them and, yeah, to go to some of those reputable um, sources. I think that that point you spoke about uh, speaking with people and, and not taking it as gospel and, and the letter of the mm. law, I mean, certainly my experience, you know, as when I was playing football and talking about my living with diabetes and, and things I did, it's always important to listen to other people and potentially, you know, some things sound like really good ideas, but it's always important to what works best for you because I am different mm. to everyone else, whether it be someone else with type 1 or type 2 or gestational, different body types, different backgrounds, all of those type of things. And I think it's always important to include your diabetes healthcare team in any decision-making in terms of changes going forward. Absolutely. And so you want to have ownership. Uh, so if you get diagnosed with gestational diabetes, you want to have ownership and really like what Liz seems to have done is really taken the information on board and she's spoken to people. And even if, you know, she says, oh, I said, I can't believe I said that thing. At least she's kind of got the information and take, you know, taken that on board. Um, you can become your own expert in your own diabetes. And I think that's a fantastic thing. That's a real credit to, you know, credit to you. 100%. And, and Liz, I want to talk about your life 
today. You said that it sort of made you more conscious to make better decisions and you did a, a avoid getting gestational uh, in subsequent pregnancy. Do you think that the diagnosis whilst you were pregnant with Mackenzie has, has made you a healthier person and more, I guess, informed person about decisions you make around food or exercise or anything like that? Yeah, definitely it's made me think a lot more about my choices. I mean, I'm far from perfect and I do slip up, particularly with having two young kids' job and farms. And I do often find, you know, I've got the basis there and I can work off there, but it's an 80-20 rule. Like, I'm not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm far from yeah. it. But having the tools and through the life program and what Helen actually gave me was more tools to have a holistic approach. So to be a bit kinder to myself as well. I don't have to be perfect, but as long as I'm doing the best I can and for the kids trying to make sure that they're having a broad range of foods as well, uh, so they're hitting all the food groups. They may not eat it all, but at least they can try. So it definitely did help. Yeah, absolutely, girls. I, I could continue talking to you both all day. It's fascinating, Liz. You sound like uh, you've you've nailed it all, and it's still great to hear you say that you know that eighty twenty rule, and you're not forcing perfection upon yourself all the time. Sarah, before I, I finish up, is there anything else you would like to speak about from your point of view around any services or or GDM as a whole or, or anything like that? Uh, um, no, except to say that I think Liz has nailed it on the head because I think in general, women tend to be really, really hard on themselves, hard when they get a diagnosis of gestational diabetes. There's a lot of self-blame, hard on themselves to test four times a day and to get perfect sugars hard on themselves when they've got a young baby. And at least there's a bit of self-forgiveness, bit of, you know, you slip up, that's okay, next thing. Um, that goes a long, long way. And when you've got kids, you know, we all want to show, show that level of kindness to each other. I think, um, I think you, gestational diabetes can be a really positive experience. And I think um, if you're travelling through your gestational diabetes journey and you're not feeling that level of kindness, then you've got to shift things up because, um, I think that level of sort of self-blame, that, that, that stigma associated with, we've got to get rid of that and know that this is a health condition. And then, you know, it's a positive and we can make positive of it from, for the long term. So I, I love what Liz has got to say. I think it's, um, invaluable, fabulous. Absolutely. And Liz, I'll come and leave it leave it with you to finish, of course, again, this, this podcast out for Women's Health Week, which is such, you know, such an important thing across the country. Liz, anything you would like to finish up with? Any final words? Uh, I'd just like to say if anyone's struggling with it, just be open and take in as much information as you can. There's no need for there to be a stigma. And at the end of the day, just by acknowledging and trying to deal with it, it means that you're doing the best that you can for your, your baby as well. So just keep getting as much information as you can and do the best you can. Jeez, Liz, I think my job's in trouble. You, you speak very well, that's for sure. You've uh, you've done a terrific job. Uh, as I said, this has been a, a Diabetes Victoria podcast for Women's Health Week. Dr. Sarah Price, Liz Simmons, thank you so much for sharing both your story and your journey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the program. If you'd like to contact us, it's very easy. Simply send an email to podcast at diabetesvic.org.au. Or, of course, all the information you'll need is on the website, diabetesvic.org.au.